Good afternoon, everybody. This is Made in EDH, and I'm Chris. I'm Kayla. And today we have episode 7 of White Not Left. Now, today we are talking (laughs) about our top 10 mono-white commanders. We may have some overlap here, which wouldn't surprise me after looking at the legendary list. I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure we're going to overlap on these ones. So that's probably going to happen. We definitely will have some overlap. I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Um, Yeah. I just just, looking uh, at mono-white, like... I was having an issue with Mono White because I kept almost picking commanders that were that had some other color in one of their abilities, and I was like, well, that's not Mono White. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, I was just looking at them and I was just like, if it's if it doesn't have some cheesy ability, it's just some big stompy thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, with all that aside, I think we're ready to jump right into it. Kayla, I'll let you start it off and see if we overlap right away. Oh, jeez. Who should I start with? Um, I'm going to start with one that I would be surprised if you didn't pick, honestly. Um, I'm going with uh, Nahiri, the, lith- the Lithomancer. So Yep, that's on there. I got that. Okay. <laughs> so basically we have a planeswalker that can be your commander, which is a great thing to have. Um pulling up her card so I can read it. Yeah. She was um printed in those um the monocolored commander decks they did that one year. I'm trying to remember. I think that was like the 20 um i'd like to say that's like the 2014 year yeah yeah yep. yeah it, correct. it was commander 2014. 2014 because that was the year uh 2013 was the year of the um the second round of the commander decks this was the third round which was the monocolors which they each had a planeswalker that could be your commander so Nahiri, she is a three colorless, two white planeswalker. She comes in with three loyalty counters. You have her plus two ability. Put a 1-1 white core soldier creature token onto the battlefield. You may attach an equipment you control to it. Um, Her minus two. You may put an equipment card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. Her minus 10 ability, which is put a colorless equipment artifact token named Stoneforge Blade onto the battlefield. It has indestructible, equipped creature gets plus 5, plus 5, and has double strike, and the equipped cost is 0. Wow. Equipment decks must love her. Yeah, I've seen some nasty equipment decks with her. <laughs> yeah, even like, you, you don't even really care about the minus 10, because most of the time, I think you're just cheating in, like, those high-cost equipments for, like, that minus 2. Yeah. 
Um, what's well, a good even her example? plus two ability? You attach an equipment like that. That's just free equipment attached. So that's great. Yeah, with like colossal hammer, that's massive. Yeah. So Colossal Hammer, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's a one-drop CMC artifact that gives equipped creature plus 10, plus 10. It loses flying, and its equip cost is 8. Yeah. Or its equipped I... cost is uh, 0. It's Nahiri. <laughs> yeah. So you just Doesn't play, it only put cost in that core one? soldier. Huh? Doesn't it only cost one to get onto the battlefield? Yeah. So you get it out pretty early, and then you play Nahiri, and you're plus two, and then boom, you got an 11-11 token in play. <laughs> For <laughs> the cheap cost of six mana. Hmm. A little high cost for what that does, but not too bad still. Now, there is something that's interesting about Colossal Hammer that um, that that was brought up that you can actually give the creature flying. Um, it just loses it on base once it becomes attached, but if you give it flying post um, the hammer being attached, that, cr that creature can gain flying. That's a good point. <laughs> It's one of those weird um, state-based rules that they have that's like, it's a layering effect. So, like, depending what's on the layer first, it goes off. It's it's like that when, um, with those cards that uh, give you no maximum hand size. It Like, you don't have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Okay, that's on the layer. But if now somebody plays, will reduce your hand size by two... Now it knocks your hand size back down to seven, and now you have to have a five-card hand size. Oh, dang. Yeah, layers are... they're interesting. There's a lot of craziness with it. We'll go into um, like some of the green ones when we get to that area. <laughs> so, what do we think about Nahiri? Is she good? I think she's pretty alright. Yeah, I think she's good. Um, I really like the planeswalkers can be your commander sort of deal. Yeah. So, I think I'll go on to one of my number ones. Well, this will be my number two since number one is technically taken out with Nahiri. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I picked um, Loshiel. The Clockwork Scholar, uh, two colorless, a white legendary creature, Elephant Artificer, which has um, two power and two toughness, and some key some keyword abilities, not keyword abilities, uh, just some abilities, passive. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to attacking artifact creatures you control. Whenever one or more artifact creatures enter the battlefield under your control, Draw a card. It only triggers one e once each turn. So, good card draw, and it incentivizes you to play artifact creatures. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that it's artifact creatures in specific, not just artifacts. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, because then it's like, now Flickering Solemn will give you a card draw and land. Mm. Actually, with how CMC of this card is, you could play this, and then play a Solemn the next turn, draw a card, and fetch a land. Oh yeah, that's true. Was this, this one on your list? Was, it almost made my list, and I'm kind of thinking it should have in place of other things, but it didn't, so... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like potentially like pretty good white cards. I just I just think having a, a card draw engine that can be kind of abused with the flicker effect since flicker is one of the big things in white. I was just like, this card seems really good. Yeah. So uh, on to your number two, Kayla. What do you have? Um, I'm going with. There's a theme here. <laughs> I'm going with Kemba Ka Regent. She costs one and two white. Um, it's a cat cleric, and she's a 2-4. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a 2-2 white cat creature token for each equipment attached to Kemba Car Regent. So, equipment decks here. <laughs> ah, makes tons of tokens for equipments. I think I've gone up against a few Kimba decks, and they're generally not something just to ignore. They they can get out of control if you don't pay attention to them. Yeah. She only costs three to play, which pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Huh, I did not have Kimba on my list. So that's an that's another one we didn't share. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're on to number three. Yep. So why don't you go ahead again? And then I will do my number three and see if we share again. Um, let's see. So, number three, I'm going to go with a card, kind of an old card. It's from Invasion. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and it is Atalia, Samite Master, and she is a three colorless, um, two white. She's a two three cleric, human cleric. So, you pay X, tap, choose one. Prevent the next X damage that would be dealt to target creature this turn, or you gain X life. Spend only white mana this way. Wow. You know, I looked at her too, but she ended up not jumping on my list. Yeah, I like the options here. Um, and if you have a way to untap her, that's also great. You know, you can 
at the end of a turn just gain life if you're not preventing any damage, so... Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like it. And, like, if you're just sitting there not doing anything through mana, you just be like, well, I'm just gonna gain a bunch of life, don't mind me. Yeah. She is pretty <laughs> expensive to get out, but that's white, and that's older sets for you, so... Yeah. Well, I think I have one that I'm pretty sure is not on your list. Ooh. Which is Kentaro, the Smiling Cat. Nope. He's one colorless and one white. Legendary creature, human samurai, with Bushido 1. And his power toughness is 2-1. Bushido 1, I'll explain real quick, which is if he blocks or becomes blocked, he gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. Uh, Bushido refers to that if it blocks or becomes blocked, it gets that whatever the Bushido number is um, as a plus one, as a plus effect, or a, it's just a plus effect. So if it had like Bushido 5, it would get plus 5, plus 5, yada, yada, yada. Just giving you a kind of idea for those of you who don't know about Bushido. He also has this other effect on here that's you may pay X colorless rather than pay the mana cost for samurai spells you play. X is that spell CMC. Hmm. Now, I'm sure you're all kind of wondering, like, why I picked this. Yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> so I was thinking about it, and I don't know if you've noticed the theme. So, so far, we you've picked equipments, and I've picked just, like, some sort of artifact tribe, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, with Kintaro, I was thinking, I was just like, man, it's too bad he doesn't have any other colors, but then I thought about it, and I was like, wait, but what if we put Maskwood Nexus in the deck, and every creature in your deck is now Samurai? You don't even have to worry about mana costs anymore being white, because you can just pay colorless for it. For your creature spells. Yeah, that's true. So I was just like, that's pretty neat, because then you can just throw in all these colorless mana rocks and then be able to basically just dump out a bunch of creature spells. And of course, you can just include Samurai, and then it wouldn't be too hard either. I think Samurai Tribal has the potential to be pretty good. I haven't yeah, seen we just it first haven't hand, had a good but... support. Yeah, well, wasn't it? I think it was Modern Horizons, the first run. They were reprinting. No, they were reprinting like ninjas, I think. Yeah, they brought us a lot more ninjas, which was nice. I love the ninjas and ninjutsu. Mm hmm. But yes, I would love if Modern Horizons 2 gave us samurais like more options for samurai tribal yeah that would be neat like specifically mardu because that Bringing seems to be the where all the good again. samurai are <laughs> yeah that's true it's a very samurai color i think yeah but yes i love kentaro 
I think he's a pretty sweet commander. I just don't think he's been utilized yet. He's not optimal quite yet. Um, but we're getting to that point where he could be. Mm-hmm. So I guess I made you go twice. Um, so I'll go and grab another one. Here. This is number four, yeah? Uh, yeah. And because I love Kamigawa, I will do another Kamigawa card. <laughs> Which is Kataki Wars Rate uh, Wage <coughs> Wage. Sorry, my tongue does not also want to work today. <laughs> it must be the coffee. Uh, he's one colorless, one white, legendary creature, spirit, two one, and has this fun little effect of all artifacts have at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice this artifact unless you pay one colorless. Uh, so hating on your opponent's artifacts there. <laughs> you want to hear a secret? What? You know, like, Microsynth, like, Wellspring? That, mm -hmm. like, two-drop artifact that you get a basic land and put it in the play? And then when it goes to your graveyard, you grab another basic? And it's a two-drop okay. artifact? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So you play that turn two, and then you don't pay its upkeep. You just got a fe you just fetched for two lands. Mm. So this deck, um, I got this. I saw this idea um, from Commander Quarters, um, where you play this deck as basically I play my artifacts. It's an artifact um, themed deck, but I'm sacrificing my artifacts on my upkeep because I don't want them, and it gives me value. And seeing a value engine in white like that, that's like so like awkward, but it works, I think is really solid. Yeah. Because all you have to do is like include stuff like Sun Titan that can get those artifacts back. And then you're reoccurring it even more and you're just value engine and you know white <laughs> with a value engine is awesome because it doesn't happen very well. Often. I want to point out um, the artifact shenanigans going on with your cards would also go well with an equipment deck. <laughs> yes. It's very true. I think that's like the direction they've been pushing white for the last few years. And it seems to be a reoccurring theme that they've been doing even in old magic. Like, since this is a Kamigawa card, so this this white artifact kind of idea has been floating around for a long time. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Maybe they realize that white not being able to mana ramp, maybe if we push it in a direction that it requires mana rocks, maybe um, maybe people will play it that way or something like that, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what goes on the design team. <laughs> but I think I like white artifacts 
it's it's kind of bland at times because when you ever you see mono white, it's kind of always that thing. So, all right, how's so that was my number five. What about for you? What do you have? Uh, so I guess I'm on number four. Um, oh, right. Five is next. My bad. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. See, coffee's I... making me skip. <laughs> <laughs> You're just zooming through this. Yep. Um, I got another older card from Cold Snap. All snap. So, <laughs> we got Darian, King of, I don't know, Jeldor. Jeldor? Um, he is a four colorless, two white, so pretty expensive, but he is a human soldier. He's a 3-3. Whenever you're dealt damage, you may create that many 1-1 white soldier creature tokens. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love this guy. You know, when I was first, like, getting, like, more into Commander, when I started actually having more than two decks, I bought, like, four of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is so good in token decks um, that he's just like, oh, I'm dealt damage. Oh, I'm going to put a soldier into play equal to that damage. So, like, when you go up against Nakuzar decks, you're just, like, laughing because every time they will, they're giving you an army. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they don't wheel you to death by the time you get your army, but, you know, sometimes that happens. <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> I guess the drawback here, obviously, he's expensive and there's plenty of cards where all creatures get, you know, minus three, minus two, minus one. So a little yeah. susceptible to board wipes, but not all decks run I don't them. Think so anything we've mentioned is not susceptible to a board wipe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like I said, not all decks run board wipes, so. Well, in Commander, pretty much every deck runs board wipes. Uh, I've seen a few that haven't, but it's smart to include at least a couple. <laughs> yeah, like one or two is pretty optimal, I would say, to run. But, like, it all depends on your pod. If your pod isn't, like, explosive, like, uh, you have five things in play, I need a board wipe. Um, yeah. If that's, like, <laughs> your threat level, then yes, you need to be running more than two. Um, yeah, it all depends on your play group, really, and the pods you play in. Like, if you're playing in a more competitive pod, you definitely need, like, five... I think. Yeah. And then a bunch of spot removals. Um, but, like, yeah. If you want some, like, good, like, deck teching, like, honestly, getting a lot of spot removals is pretty important. But, like, I think Darren is alright. Um, I do think his high cost is one of the bad 
drawbacks. I love his ability. Like I said, I bought a bunch of him for a reason. But White does have that issue of a lot of the high cost commanders. Yeah, and that's it does what I not was struggling have a with. Very effective way of getting a good mana cost in. Mm-hmm. Like White does not quite mana ramp very well. It has very situational like mana ramp, like smothering tithe, archaeomancer's map. Just like there's not much that White has at the moment. They are getting better about fixing that, but Yeah, I was gonna say I think they have been working on it. Um getting white to ramp a little better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it's your turn to share two. So you share a number five since I shared a four. All right. Um, let's see. Gosh, so far we've only had one crossover. I'm actually kind of surprised. <laughs> I'm gonna go with another really expensive one, but. I just love this card. Um, it's Elish Norn Grand Cenobite. And it's a 5 cost, 2 white, and it's a Praetor from the Phyrexian set. Was it? God, what was that? New Phyrexia, I believe. New Phyrexia, yeah. And it's a 4 7 with Vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. Um, so kind of just, it's got that enchantment feel of like boosting your creatures and punishing your opponent's creatures. So it's not like, uh, it's not that spicy, I would say, but. I just love this card. <laughs> Elishnorn is great. Um, a lot of people really despise it because when it comes in, if you have things that are super weak on their toughness, they all die. Yeah. It's like, like you got a bunch of one ones. <laughs> yeah, if someone's got like Avenger Zendikar and they haven't pumped the plants yet, your Elishnorn has just ended their life. Even if they've pumped it only one time, like Oh, I put a one counter on my plants. Cool. I'll play Elish Norn. All your plants are dead now. Yeah. So, it's it's a pretty good effective, like, it's like, it's good anthem for your side, and then counterproductive anthem on the opponent's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Elish Norn. It's all the praetors are great. We'll go over each of them because we're doing five of these episodes. We're recovering top ten monocolors, so we'll go probably get one of each of them. They will yep. probably all be in there. Yes, Elishnorn is great. What'd you have for? You're on five now, too, right? Yeah, now I'm on five. So, uh, I will just say, since I'm going to do two in a row as well, the next two I have are Kamigawa cards. 
I don't know if you noticed, four of four of the ten cards I've mentioned have all been from Kamigawa. <laughs> I love Kamigawa, and I think the white cards from Kamigawa are really solid. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, starting off is uh, you have Sensei Golden Tail with one colorless and one white. He's a 2-1 legendary creature Fox Samurai with Bushido 1. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, that's if it becomes blocked or blocks, it gets plus plus equal to its Bushido number until end of turn. And it has this awesome activated ability of one colorless, one white, put a training counter on target creature. That creature gains Bushido 1 and becomes a samurai in addition to its other types. Play this ability only any time you can play a sorcery. So, there's something interesting about this. Um, which is that on the rulings of the card, it says the training counter just marks which creatures have been changed. An effect that removes the counter doesn't change the creature's types or abilities. And then it has this note of multiple instances of Bushido ability each trigger separately. Now, if you think about it, I put a training counter on one of my things. Does that mean I could stack Bushido? Yes. That's what that means. According to this ruling. So, it can go from a Bushido 1 to a Bushido 2 next time? Like they stack well, onto each other? Well, technically, it wouldn't be Bushido 2. It would be Bushido 1 and 1, is how it's layered. Since each effect triggers separately, so if someone wanted to stifle it, they could. Well, no, they can't stifle this, I don't think. No, they can't, because it is a keyword ability. But they would... It's effectively, yes, Bushido 2, but that's incorrect to say it's technically Bushido 1 and Bushido 1. But effectively, yes. Technically, it gets plus 2, plus 2. So, I was looking at this, I was like, you know what would be fun is to play a mono-white proliferate deck. Oh, God. <laughs> and you just put train counters on everything, so it's just like... I'm gonna put I'm gonna put training counters or everything, and I'm gonna try and get, and then I'm gonna play something like Chroma's Memorial and give all my creatures trample. So then, you have to block, and if you block, you give my creatures a power boost. So. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I'm just I guess I'm hung up on the it gets an huh? additional bush. I I guess I'm just hung up on it gets an additional bushido counter, I guess. Yeah, so like 
it's saying like so if you put if you put a Bushido counter, for instance, on Sensei, let's since he already has Bushido one, if you put a training counter on him, each instance of his Bushido would trigger separately. So like you'd get his plus one plus one, and then you he gets another plus one plus one. It's really that's all it's really saying is it's basically saying that each Bushido instance triggers separately. So if you had something with like Bushido five, because that's a thing, and you put a plus one, if you give it Bushido one, it basically effectively turns into Bushido six. But since the the Bushidos activate separately, it technically is five and then one. Since it's not. It's it's complicated because it's like Bushido stacks, but Exalted doesn't. So if a creature has multiple instances of Exalted, um, I believe it doesn't matter. They only get the one trigger of it. I believe that's how Exalted works. Okay. So huh. that's but this one does work that way. They do layer up and work well like that. Because I know Exalted doesn't work that way. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, it's very awkward for sure. It's it's one of those... Again, we were talking about layering earlier, and this is one of those weird layering rulings that, that occurs sometimes. And yeah. this is one of those instances where, yes, this works. Um, there's a ruling behind it, so it does work that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of neat because I don't think we see enough Bushido in Commander, really. <laughs> Most people, if you play a Bushido card, they're like, what does that do? Yeah. Because <laughs> nobody really plays it. Which is sad because, well, I think we need a card that gifts uh, creatures Rampage more often. I think Rampage needs to come back. Because if you can pair up Rampage with Bushido, mm, that sounds delicious. I'm not remembering Rampage. So Rampage is a keyword ability. It's an old one. Um, I'm trying to remember what set it was. It's it's old <laughs> though. It's I think like remember back to the old like Nicol Bolas, the old Elder Dragons. Oh wow that. Looks like it was introduced in Legends and it was last used in Time Spiral. <laughs> yeah. So Legends was where... It, that's right. It was Legends. So Cronium was the big boy that I, I distinctly remember having Rampage. And I believe okay. he has like Rampage 4. So for so... for those who don't know about Rampage, so the ruling the the keyword ability here is if it gets blocked by more than one. So if you throw two creatures in front of this, it gets that Rampage bonus. So it's kind of like Bushido, but it has to be blocked by at least two creatures. It says, whenever this creature becomes blocked, it gets plus whatever the number is. 
until end of turn for each creature blocking it beyond the first. So it has to be blocked by two creatures to trigger Rampage. Do you want to guess how many cards have Rampage? <laughs> I think, if I remember looking it up, I think it was either... Um, I, I think it was seven. Oh, but I think it might be 13. Eight. Oh, wow. That was way off. Uh, I actually own a pretty snazzy one that I might include into a green deck because I think it's a beast. <laughs> I have the uh, Gorilla Berserkers, but uh, we'll talk about that one later. <laughs> Moving on. We kind of got off a little bit there, so uh, I'll go on to my my uh, my f- nine number six, which then you'll go into your number six, which this is the final Kamigawa card. And this is one of the most notable ones that I think has seen a lot of EDH play over the years. Probably It's starting to probably fall off nowadays, but it used to be a big one back in the day when I was playing EDH. I bet you Kayla's played against this. <laughs> it's a fox. Is it got not nine tails? Yes. <laughs> it is eight and a half tails. It is two okay. white, legendary creature, fox clerk. Yes, its name is eight and a half tails. He's a two-two with two activated abilities. The first one being... One colorless, one white. Target permanent you control gains protection from white until end of turn. And a colorless activated effect of target spell or permanent becomes white until end of turn. So, eight and a half tails is on my list as well. (laughs) Oh, good. We have a good old school one together. (laughs) So I guess this will be both our number sixes then. Yep. Appropriate. It's just, I love that it gives it protection from basically everything, if you have the yeah. mana. I like it too. It's it's really solid. And the fact that it, it can turn spells into a color, which, um, if you've noted, uh, last episode I complained about Painter Servant. This is the more balanced version of Painter Servant. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's just like you can turn spells white you know what's funny is if an opponent's running something that has protection from white and then they try to boost their creature you just be like nope your spell's white your card has protection from white so your spell fizzles now oof <laughs> so you kind of can't run pro white against eight and a half tails because he punishes you for doing that. And his response yep. is, Nuh-uh-uh, I'm the only one who's allowed to give protection around here. I have a question, though. Yes? How do you have a half-tail? Hmm. Well, I'm not some awesome fox being, so <laughs> maybe, uh... 
maybe one of them had maybe one of them was like a birth defect and he was it was supposed to be nine tails and it just didn't grow out to be a full tail so maybe it's a half a tail oh that's sad it's like like a little stump (laughs) yeah those cats and dogs that have the little stub (laughs) yeah little foxy stub so it's halfway plushy it has the it has the tip of the plush of the foxtail, but it's it's half the size. I guess a little stump tail. That would be more like a quarter of a tail, though. So eight and a quarter tails. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It would be longer. Speaking of the tails in this picture, are pretty big. So fluffy. Yes. And he's protective. <laughs> and I think this is one of those cards where it's just like, I think uh, we all know that this card's pretty great. Um, it's really good. It can give your creatures protection. Like, if they're doing spot removal, be like, nope, uh, that permanent is white, and uh, that permanent becomes a becomes protected from white and your spell's not white. So for three mana, you can protect any of your permanents, which is huge. Yeah. That's like a tough... Like, the first protection's three mana. But this gives you literally spot protection for three mana. Mm-hmm. On a reoccurring effect, which is pretty big. That means that if you're always holding up at least three mana, and you're playing some sort of, like... I don't know, some sort of weird flash white deck. I think you could be a really, really nasty, like, I protect my board white deck. But then again, if you're holding up that much mana in white, that could be devastating. Yep, true. So maybe the the idea is you try to give all your things protection from white, ideally, and then basically can just prevent anything that your opponents can do. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know any mono-white cards that give pro-white, really. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. This card does. So you just give one of your creatures pro-white. You have that Odric that says, oh, if if something you could draw has a keyword, all your buddies share it, or concerted effort. And then, boom. Your entire board has protection from white in the combat step. And then... You can just turn your opponent's board entirely white so they can't respond to you, and you just swing out on them. Oh, there's an um, an enchant. There's an aura. Like, target creature gains protection from white. Now I'm glad you brought up an aura. I don't know if you know about this. But auras can fall off if you have protection. Um, and then the second part says the protection granted by white ward does not destroy white ward. Oh, perfect. Never mind. <laughs> Normally, yes, that works that way of well, I'm going to put a white aura on my white creature and it has protection from white. Well, the white aura now falls off. But the card you just specified does not. So that <laughs> would work. 
But in most cases, that's generally how that works. Which falling off means it goes to your graveyard not doing what you want it to. There's actually a few creatures with protection from white that are um, mono-white. Interesting. You have that Archon and of Absolute. And... I love oh, it. Sorry. Do you love it? Did you? <laughs> huh? Yeah, I just am worried about his half-tail. His what? His half-tail. Oh, <laughs> It's okay. He he he's a legendary fox. He's he'll he'll live with it. <laughs> he'll be all or right. maybe Tamiya will come and give him give him hugs for us. <laughs> all right. So since our number six is for the same, why don't you go ahead and start with number seven? All right. Um. So I'm going to go with something from not Kamigawa, but from Betrayers of Kamigawa. Uh, This card is nasty and I love it. It is Hokori Dust Drinker. It's two colorless, two white. It's a spirit, two, two. Lands don't untap during their controller's untap steps. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player untaps a land he or she controls. Oh, fun. Everybody <laughs> loves these kinds of decks. Yep, slows everything down. Yep, take half turns. Yep. <laughs> Unless you're tronning it up and you don't care because you don't have lands. But hey, look at all the good artifact cards you were finding for white. Yeah, it's true. This just fits right into those artifact decks that we were doing. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And that was not on my list. It almost was, but I was like, man, I don't don't know (laughs) if I want to be that cruel. (laughs) Not yet. That one's later on the list. It's just a nasty card, and I appreciate that. Yeah. It's really nice. So, I guess I will give my number seven. Which is... I don't know if this will be on your list, but I'll be surprised if it is. Ivara Holicon Witness. Four colorless, white, white. Ugh. Deep mana cost, big pocket money. Legendary creature Avatar is a 4 4 lifelink with an activated ability of pay 4 mana, exchange your life total with Ivara Holocon Witness's power. Yeah, that's a great card. Its mana cost kind of makes it like, eh, but. But, let's think about all the white cards that give double strike. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to double my life total. And this is a creature that sits in my command zone. Now, there is a fatal flaw here. What's that? You have to exchange your life total with her. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Which just means that since she's a little 4-4, all it would take is a burn player to be like, hey, yep. I got a burn spell for 6 mana. Um, and it's an instant. And it's going to burn you for 6. Goodbye. So I mean, technically, since this is an activated ability, you could always flip your life total back, and then you wouldn't lose the game. But then that's eight mana you have to funnel into this, which means you have to use those things like Hearthstone, where you have to reduce the activated ability so it's not taxing and you don't get killed for doing this. Overall, I thought she's fun, because, like, being able to trade your life total in into a creature and then punch somebody for lethal basically out of nowhere. This is a card that can't let swing at you and not block because the possibility of them just killing you is right there. Yeah. Which is not like something like white combat tricks are generally pretty big, but this is like a lethal com combat trick because most of the time... Um, if your left total is at least above 20 at this point in the game, which if you're playing white, it probably is. This is pretty much commander lethal because commander damage is 21 points of combat damage dealt from a legendary creature that's a commander. Your commander has to deal combat damage. And if this just punches somebody, they die. <laughs> Now, another fun thing you could do with this is, you know, there's there's fling effects that do exist, but fling isn't really in the color scheme, but this is a flavor I think Kayla might enjoy of you give it the ability to deal its power, like um, through an equipment that's white's very good about being these equipment artifacts thing decks. Yep. So you try... I don't know if there is a card out there that lets you deal its power. Two. Um, a, um, to a opponent's face. That's an artifact. Because I think most of that is red. How would you word that? Um, deal its power. Are you going to search it, I'm guessing? Yeah. <laughs> uh... Well, while you're looking that up, I think we're going to take a brief little break. Sounds good. <laughs> and we are back. Sorry about that. I had to use the restroom. So, uh... while you were gone, I found a few things. Um... Before I forget, though, I wanted to bring up Lightness. I don't know if you've heard. It is an enchantment that when enchanted creature has, whenever you gain life, put that many plus one plus one counters on it. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, what is that, um... There's like two enchantment auras that do that too, aren't there? 
I think there might be. That's well. That's an enchantment aura. Um, because they're sunbound too. I think right. Sunbound from uh, I think it's either Theros or uh, Born of the Gods. I think was that one. Where you put one encounters on it equal to the amount of life you've gained. Oh, yep. That was from... That is a four-cost enchantment. Yeah. A little more expensive, but yeah, same thing. Whew! That's a... (laughs) That can make that girl big, or dude, I don't actually know. I think it's a... I think it's a girl. It's an avatar. Based on her name. (laughs) That is a big lady. both. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, big lady. Um <laughs> so the other question you had of feeling its power just directly, there is an equipment called Sure Strike Trident, cost two. Equipped creature has first strike and tap unattach Sure Strike Trident. This creature deals damage equal to its power to target player. Ow. So you could literally throw your life total at somebody and not even lose your creature? (laughs) It's a better fling effect. There's also kind of a backwards way to do it, which costs a lot, but I just wanted to mention it because I thought it was kind of hilarious. So there's a sorcery called Gruesome Slaughter which costs six colorless. Um, Until end of turn, colorless creatures you control gain tap. This creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature. And then you play with Ursat's Gnomes, which is a three colorless cost, one one artifact gnome. You can tap to make target spell or target permanent colorless until end of turn. just thought that was funny. <laughs> I love the gnomes. I'm glad you brought them up. You could also do Microsynth Lattice because that also turns your spell colorless as well. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> but Gruesome Slaughter, um, that's funny. That's a funny interaction there. Mm-hmm. I almost <laughs> forgot about that card's existence because... <laughs> It's an okay card of it's six sorcery to make all your colorless thing do, things do basically like power dumping damage. Which, if you're playing Eldrazi already, you just might as well just swing with them anyway, because most of the time that's more devastating than just tapping them and flinging their damage. Yeah, which I think they still have to have haste to do. So, I mean, and it's a sorcery, you said too. Yep. Oof. Man, I, I wish that was an instant. Yeah. It's not the best, but it's interesting. <laughs> but it is definitely another way to make this thing fling its power, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Gruesome slaughter. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but that seems really funny in a white flavor way. <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> this, this, the art of this card, I don't know if you're looking at it. She's like mm-hmm. towering over like trees in like an oasis, it looks like. <laughs> yeah. 
with his giant sword. So I just, like, imagine she just, like, slaughtered people, like, taking multiple swings at things and just killed people that way. Oof. Uh, so that was our sevens, yeah? We're on to eights? Yep. All right. I think it's my turn to go again, huh? think so. Oh, no. It, or is it? Yeah, it is, I think. And nah, you'll do matter. nine and ten. <laughs> huh? Uh, I still have eight as well. Yeah. Um, The next one I'm going to do... it. I love it. I'm going to say it right now. I love the flavor. Sephara Skies Blade. Four colorless, triple white. Legendary creature, Angel. 7-7. Seven, seven. Has this little ability at the top here. <clears throat> you may little. pay one white, tap four untapped creatures you control with flying, rather than pay this spell's cost. Oh, this card. And has flying and lifelink, and has this other effect of other creatures you control with flying have indestructible. <sighs> yeah, this card hmm. is a problem. <laughs> you know, what's fun is having this in the command zone and having four flyers on turn um on turn three and tapping them all down and playing your commander turn three without a soul ring. Because how many one-drop white flyers can you mention off the top of your head? A billion. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know or might be new to the commander, this does not get around the commander tax. So, I'm pretty sure you, when you play it for the first time, the next time you try to use that ability, you, you would have to pay one white and two colorless. I think is how that works. Because I know, like, some of the abilities get more expensive, but I think it might get around that. Not sure. I'll have to ask around on some other of the groups. But I'm pretty sure this this effect gets taxed, but if it doesn't, this could be one of the biggest mono-white decks that you could play. Because getting out a 7-7 seven, seven, turn 3, if you just optimize your deck to run a ton of one-drop flyers, having a bunch of flyers is already huge, because a lot of the time, I don't think a lot of people have that much flying early game. And the fact that she's a 7-7 seven, seven is just massive. Yeah. That's only three hits and you're dead, commander damage-wise. <laughs> Lifelink, too, don't forget. Yeah. Was she on your list? Um, She was not, though I considered it. So, what's your number seven? 
let's see. Or I'm pardon me, go... it's eight. <clears throat> oh, yep. Eight. I'm gonna go with um where is he? So it's a new one. I think it was from Strix Haven. Um I'm gonna go with Niles, uh Discipline Enforcer. He costs two colorless, one white. He's a two two human cleric. At the beginning of your end step, for each player, put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature that player controls. Each creature with one or more counters on it can attack you or planeswalker you control unless its controller pays X, or X is the number of counters on that creature. So you're doing like a bribe deck. Yep. Which is fun. And then you play a group hug cards that like you and an opponent do this effect. So then you're playing kind of like a political mono white deck. Yeah. I think it goes well too because, you know, a lot of decks you're putting counters on your own creatures. So with him it just kind of makes that uh, difficult, like, do I put counters on my creatures even though they'll cost a lot to attack with, or? Yeah, like, if they're playing big creature heavy decks, it's very taxing to do that. Yeah. Because now they can't attack you specifically with it, unless they have that much mana to funnel into it. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, you can pay later in the game, but then you're not able to play what's in your hand necessarily. So it's kind of a balance. Yeah, also spot removing him makes it so you don't even have to pay the mana, and then they can just free attack you. Yeah. Which means that you're running things like Ghostly Prison and other effects like his... To make sure people don't attack you. Norns, Annex, all those. Pretty much, you have to do this to attack me. Sphere of safety. Yada, yada, yep. yada. <laughs> so what about number nine? What do you got? Um, let's see. I'm going with uh, Micaeus the Lunark. Classic. Yep. It's an X cost and then white. And he is also a human cleric. I love the clerics. Um, Micaeus enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So whatever you end up paying for. Uh, Tap. Put a plus one plus one counter on Micaeus. Tap. Remove a plus one plus one counter from him. Put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control. So you could boost the team or boost him. Yep. And if you have some sort of untap mechanism, you can do both. Yeah. 
Which, uh, <clears throat> since we're going with the equipment theme today, <laughs> guess so. I can name two right off the bat that are pretty awesome. So, if you put, like, Umbra Mantle and Illusionist Bracers on board, you can get basically three tap effects in a single turn. Oof. So you could be like, I'm going to tap him down, put a counter on him, and let's say he has three counters. I'm going to untap him with Umbra Mantle, which now has... Another untap effect because of Illusionist Bracers. So then, while the effects are stacked, the first untap happens, which would be the Illusionist, Illusionist Bracers one. So that untaps. Then, before the other one triggers, you can tap him down. And then he untaps again. And then you can boost your team by two while also putting one counter on him. So activating his effect, like, effectively, like, three times in a single turn. Jeez. <sighs> because we love equipment and artifacts in mono-white. It seems like if you're playing mono-white, you have to play artifacts, it seems like. Yeah, they go, to, they go together pretty well. I'll be surprised if the big, like, the big white card that saw a lot of play as soon as it was a printed legendary creature isn't on either of our lists, because if it's not, I will have to mention it, because it is one of the best white card engines that they printed. Hmm. So. I guess I'm on the number nine then, huh? Yep. Let's see here. I haven't mentioned enough angels, Kayla. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I've only mentioned one so far, and this is going to be number two. And this one, uh, it has a, um, it has a bullseye on her, because the second, um, you, you generally play this, uh, it's going to get removed. Because it's Linvala, Keeper of Silence. Yeah, I considered her. <laughs> Two colorless and double white, legendary creature, angel. Three, four, flying. Activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control cannot be activated. Gross. So, if your opponent has... Uh, semicolon effects like um like something like I don't know uh like Seton tap and untap druid you control to add a green to your mana pool he can't do that anymore thank you Linvala <laughs> um all your Lanalor elves can no longer tap for mana thank you Linvala uh, that, uh, silent assassin from Black can no longer creature. It's pretty yes. rude if you ask me. She's a very rude thing, and if she's in the command zone, you know there's probably going to be a lot of ways that are protecting Linvala. Yep. And they're playing some sort of lockdown deck. 
I think if you see a Linvala in a command zone, I think that is exactly what you can expect when you play against it. So, I think she's solid. I think uh, if you play this as your commander, everybody's going to stop and look at you before the game starts and try and figure out how to kill you fast before you can play Linvala because... Yeah, like I said, it turns off everything. Nothing works when she's in play for your opponents. Yep. <laughs> you can still do all your activated abilities, but uh, they cannot for their creatures. So. Um, let's see, Kayla. Shall we say our number 10s together and see if they're the exact same? I, I don't think they are, but okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start with the first name and not the title and see if they're the same. <laughs> okay. All right. Three, two, one. Mangara. Grimaz. <laughs> I guess they're not. So, of course, I picked Mangara the Diplomat, the M21. Uh, three colorless, one white, legendary creature, human cleric. Two, four, lifelink. Whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two or more of those creatures are attacking you or planeswalkers you control, draw a card. Whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, draw a card. <laughs> so, Kayla, what's a big problem that white generally has? Uh, no draw power. And this is something that's like, hey, did you play two spells? Cool, I'll take a draw. Hmm. Pretty good value engine, don't you agree? Yeah, I actually really like that card. Well, and for yours, since it wasn't Mangara? Um, I had Brima's King of Oreskos. He's a one-colorless, oh. two-white <laughs> cat soldier. He's a 3-4 with Vigilance. Whenever he attacks, put a 1-1 one, one white cat soldier token with Vigilance onto the battlefield attacking. Whenever he blocks, do the same thing. Yeah. And also blocking that creature. <laughs> Summon the kitties. I love that card. Brumaz is so good. And him as a commander is also really solid because he just makes an army for attacking or blocking. So yep. your your goal is to probably protect him and then just like have probably a bunch of anthem effects to boost those tokens up even further. So very solid. It looks like neither of us mentioned the, the one card. I avoided it because I already picked Na Mangara and I was just like I wonder if Kayla will pick the other value engine card. What was it? Um, let me pull him up real fast so I can read him out. It is Saram, Senior Ar Edificer. One colorless, one white, legendary creature, dwarf advisor, 2 2. Whenever you cast oh. an aura, an equipment, or an art of, or a vehicle spell, blah, 
<clears throat> Let me start that over. Uh, whenever you cast an aura, equipment, or a vehicle spell, draw a card. Yep. <laughs> so, it's basically saying play equipments, playing auras. Let me let you have some card draw for doing that. And there are plenty of wood drop auras, equipments, and vehicle spells to make him very effective as a commander. Yeah. And that he's a two drop is even better. I had to make a shout out to him because he's a big he's a big mono white com card. Ever since Aether Revolt, when he got printed, he has been a pretty big mono-white leader. That draw and power with the artifacts just so good. Yeah. You just play, like, equipments and vehicles, and vehicles are pretty sweet with him, because you don't really want to lose him in an attack. So you just swing in with the vehicles and just make him huge with equipments. Yep. Or auras. And there's plenty of good white auras that could buff him even to be big enough to just be strong enough by himself to do things. So. Well, I think he's a really solid one that we did not mention. I, I, I hesitate putting him on the list because he's such a he's such a very played one. But I think Marngara might be more played now because People playing two or more spells each turn is something that will always trigger, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was pretty fun. I think there was a notice noticeably big trend, though, with the white cards. <laughs> Do you know what that trend is? Um, I'm going to say... God, I'm going to say artifacts. Yeah. Why does white have to have artifacts to be able to do things? I think that's kind of weird, don't you? I get it kind of flavorfully, I guess. So white, you get a lot of humans, and humans aren't that exciting. <laughs> but give them equipment, and suddenly they're exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just think that like it's almost like saying that white almost has to have a second color to be able to do anything cuz being forced to play like artifacts, I mean, yeah, it's not another color. It's not at, as extreme at that point, but like it requires another element outside of its scheme. I think is a little bit of a drawback that needs to be fixed. I mean, I do like the artifact trend that it's doing, but I think we need to see White do something a little bit off the books that's a little different. Because that's been a running trend, except for like Mongara, that White pretty much requires almost that you have to have some sort of artifacts in your deck. And not just a small yeah. amount. It needs to be a pretty decent chunk of your deck needs to be artifacts if you play Mono White. That's just how I feel about it. But 
Maybe with how some of the newer stuff has been, maybe I can build them on a white deck and see if my theory is correct. So. Well, you oh, did well, I liked our 10. I liked all the cards you shared. Um, if you were to pick your most favorite legendary white creature, all the ones we mentioned today, which one would it be? Um, well, I was going to say you did a shout out, so I think I wanted to do a shout out as well. Oh, go for it. So <laughs> we got Soraya the Falconer. And she costs one and two white for a 2 2 human. And this is going to blow your mind. All birds get plus one, plus one. Pay one and one white. Target bird creature gains banding until the end of turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I knew you'd appreciate that. Uh, I love banding. That needs. We need more of it, please. <laughs> Give me more. Okay. I love the banding mechanic. <laughs> In seriousness, what was your question? Nothing. What do you mean? My, what was my question? You were like tying oh, mean... it up with a. Oh, our number one pick of all the white legends we talked oh, okay. about today. <laughs> um, I honestly am gonna go with eight and a half tails. I'm going to have to probably agree with you because Whoa. I love Eight and a Half Tails. Just the flavor of it is just... Uh. And every time you see it, it's it's usually really good. The deck tech's always very solid. And it's generally... It doesn't even require artifacts like most of these other ones do. It seems yeah. like. And nope, it doesn't. It doesn't really even need that help. Like you could play it like any of the other like monocolor decks of you just include artifacts just to ramp. Yeah. But like like you know, your typical like soul ring, but you wouldn't really run Arcane Signal, I don't think. I think you'd rather run like Mindstone. Like and then you could just play like some pretty decent mono white cards in your deck. But yeah. then again you have to be very careful because using target targeted spells and then your opponent tries to spot removal you if you try to protect your creature from white and you're doing a white aura on your creature that aura you're putting on them unless it's the one that you mentioned a second ago um actually no because it even then like because you're still targeting it on the stack you'd still lose it because it's targeting and it's not attached yet so oh, it would fall. It would, the spell would fizzle because it's pro white now. It's the same idea as if you, an opponent goes to target your creature and you give it hexproof at flash speed or instant speed. Their spell no longer can target it, so it fizzles. The same thing would happen if you try to like combat trick your stuff. They can spot removal you, and you just have to be careful about that. So it's like you have to think outside the box a little bit with eight and a half tails mm -hmm. to really utilize it. It's really good if you know how to abuse it. And I think that's why we both picked it. Yeah. Is the utility there 
of protection is huge, and it does not take much to utilize it. And, like, there's some really funky cards, like, um, in, in Theros, they had these, like, hate cards. Um. Give me a second, I'm gonna pull it up. Uh, but they had these, like, hate cards back in Theros that, um, Basically, uh, where they would like hate on the stick anything that was the same color, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, um, the specific card I'm mentioning here is Glare of Heresy, it's one colorless, one white sorcery, exile target white permanent. So, Kayla, how do you feel about lands getting exiled? Uh, not great. <laughs> because eight and a half tails can turn a permanent into a white permanent. So it can right. turn a land into a white permanent, and you glare of heresy it, and you exile their land. Which kind of yeah, fits into that zone I don't of, deal if you're with doing that. this, you're probably playing Armageddon too, and most of the table is just going to hate you. If you do these things. Yeah. But Glare of Heresy with eight and a half tails, like Glare of Heresy is an automatic staple because you can spot remove anything for two mana <laughs> exile and they get no benefit. Like normally like Path to Exile, they get a land, Swords of Plowshares, they gain life equal to their creature's power. But this is two mana to get rid of anything really when with eight and a half tails like they basically they you can turn a permanent white so for four mana you can get rid of anything in play hmm. i think that's huge which is partly yeah. why i think we both saw it and was just like wow there's just a lot of options with it yeah And there's a bunch of things that just, like, are really good that you can do in mono-white with that. Like, uh, Kithkin Ramble is a four-drop Vigilant Star Star uh, creature Kithkin. And its power and toughness is equal to the number of white permanents you control. So you can even turn your lands into white permanents and oh, make this thing super big. <laughs> Yeah, the only drawback is you have to have the lands open, but it's not hard to do for, what, three mana? <laughs> yeah. And then there's, like, things like Sphere of Truth, um, which is a white enchantment. If a white source would deal damage to you, prevent two of that damage. Like, there's so <laughs> many, like, random weird white cards... That just that just really make it even more powerful. Mm -hmm. 
So I think eight and a half tails is probably the winner of today. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. We had a lot of Kamigawa love. We sure did. Kamigawa is a great set. And next week, what color should we go into? Should we follow the color pie, which would be blue next? Or should we do something yeah. else? I'm thinking yeah. blue. Oh, you know, we forgot a shout out, Kayla, of a mono white deck that we played against for, for one of our friends that plays that deck. Oh, Tashar. Yes. Jonathan yeah. plays Teshar, which is a great artifact deck as well. And it's very synergized for it. <laughs> Would you like great. to pull it up and read that one? Uh, yes. Because I think that's an honorable mention we should mention here. Um, three colorless, one white for a 2-2 bird cleric. Going with the clerics again. Flying Whenever you cast a historic spell, return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less your graveyard to the battlefield. What's historic? So historic are artifacts, legendaries, and sagas? Yes. So, plenty of artifact love again. <laughs> yep. And it has a reanimator aspect, which is kind of neat. Yep. That is something I've kind of seen that's kind of lacking. Like, is Teshar really the only reanimating mono-white commander we have? I think so. Honestly. And is that weird to you? As it is to me, being yeah. a reanimator is kind of a thing in white, with resurrection being a card. Hopefully we'll be getting more of it, though. Yeah, I think that would be something, if I were to say, would be a design thing I'd love to see more of, is mono white, uh, a legendary mono white commander that has a reanimating ability that's not like... Like, it doesn't have to be as restrictive as Teshar. Like, I want, like, a legendary creature that's, like, maybe in a situational as a, I, deal, I have to deal combat damage to return a target creature card from my graveyard to the battlefield, even. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, there's a lot of, like, bad things you could do with that, but then again, like, let's think about it. Like, in Mono White, oh, I'm gonna try and cheat out Eldrazi. Most of the Eldrazi are gonna try and cheat out, shuffle into the deck from your graveyard, so you're not reanimating those. Yeah. And since you guys decided to ban Iona, you're not reanimating that, so what's the actual harm in letting White have a good reanimator now? Because even Blight still gets shuffled in, too. Like, there's no good, like, huge Tron card, really, that would be busted to give that effect to. Like, this could be, like, a six-drop, like, legendary creature that could have you know, I hit a player and I return a creature from my graveyard to the battlefield. 
I, I mean, there could it could be like it enters the battlefield tapped, even. Like you could make it like that, so maybe that way you don't get a blocker or something. Yeah, I don't know. Some ideas. Like I would love to see something like that. I think that would be kind of neat. I would try to build that deck if they made something around that. I think um, as far as like the monocolors go, I think we're going to do that maybe for each monocolor. See, like, is there a legendary type like effect that we could love to see in that color that does not exist? Yeah, we could do or that. Or is mono white the only one? <laughs> we shall see. This is going to be our little test that we're going to run through each of the colors, I think. So, this has been Chris. And this is Kayla. And we are Made in EDH. And we will see you next week.